KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome in on a miserable rainy Tuesday. It's Miller and Condon for the next couple of hours with you here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Glad you're with us. Hope you can stay with us uh, for the next couple of hours. Coming up on the program today, we've got Scott Dockerman lined up, his regular spot on a, well, the first day of the week, the work week, normally on a Monday for Doc, but, uh, well, nobody was here yesterday. So we'll get Scott Dockerman. Wrote a very good piece in today's Athletic on a running back, a freshman, a true freshman who looks to make an impact uh, at the University of Iowa, and we will uh, pick Doc's brain on that. A bunch of other things on the topic for Scott Dockerman as well. In the 11 o'clock hour, I'm really excited to talk to our buddy Jerry Crawford. I haven't uh, spoken with Jerry in a while, and the reason why I want to do it is you know, Nick Nurse, obviously, in Iowa, Carroll, Iowa, University of Northern Iowa Panther. Uh, he is... Coaching for an NBA championship, which, by the way, the NBA finals begin in all places, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Just like <laughs> on, we had it, right? On Thursday. Isn't that something? NBA finals starting in Toronto. Anyways, we will uh, talk to Jerry uh, about Nick Nurse, how this whole thing came to be. Uh, I've, I know that uh, the Registers Chronicle, I think Sports Illustrated did a lengthy piece or was it Sporting News? I'm going to say one of them. <laughs> um, one of them did. But just the whole, how Nick Nurse and the, I don't know if he was the impetus of the Iowa energy. If he doesn't veer off 235 as he's back in his home state and pull into the Wells Fargo Arena and start asking questions, do the energy get here? I don't know. Good question. We got a good guy that can answer those questions. He would know. He was the primary owner of the group that put together the Iowa Energy back in 2006, 7? 2007 was the first year. That's what I thought, 2007. So Jerry Crawford's going to, we're going to reminisce a little bit about a guy, again, coaching for an NBA title um, that begins Thursday night in Tirana. And that's how they say it. It's not Toronto. It's not Tirana. 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 Sounds awful country. I thought I it was a metropolitan city. It is a spectacular city. Um, but yes, they pronounce it, you know, like Louisville. 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 Tirana. No T at the end. T-R-T-O-R-I-N-N-O. Tirana. Tirana. <laughs> is that like a, a crick? A creek is a crick yeah, to some people. Yeah, or Washington. 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 Uh, yeah, right. Uh, here in our fine state. Anyways, Jerry Crawford, eleven fifteen. So uh, we will re- uh, wrap up the show rather with Dylan Monts on Iowa State. Big recruiting weekend for them. Uh, a lot of uh, publications are coming out more and more so now that uh, starting to take over. What's left of the newsstands, Trent? They aren't as big as they used to be. Mm-hmm. In fact, you got to look for it at IV. Yeah, <laughs> really it's, it's true. It used to be almost, you know, the greeting cards were on one side, and the other side of that a whole aisle used to be the the magazines, right? And you could thumb through those while uh, you're killing time while your wife was shopping or whatever. Um, anyways, but uh, looking forward to uh, Dylan uh, and Jerry Crawford in the eleven o'clock hour. So, so many places we can start. First of all, how was your weekend? Was it long enough? Could you have used one more day, or are you glad to get back at it? Well, we got a little extra help here this week for a couple of days. That, yes. Hanging out in the studio back behind me, the little one, as preschool ended on 
Thursday for her last week. Uh-huh. Tara, a teacher, still working this week. Does she have kids, Tara, this week? Yes. She, I think the, until really? I think until Wednesday, I want to say. Maybe it's Thursday. Are these makeup snow days? Yes, That's many of I them figured. are. Yep, yep. A couple of those are, so they have that that they have to figure out. So couple of mornings this week, it's uh-huh. uh, it's Ella in here. She's, well, it's, it's Miller Condon and Company. Yes, exactly. The company back behind. Hopefully she stays out of our way, though. She she's doing a good job. She always has, Trent. Yes. And you've brought her in before, whether we be here or up the dial, and she's been a uh, perfect, uh, hasn't done anything to uh, to upset the apple cart on the program. And today I know will be no different. Well, lots of places we can, st- we can do the baseball, we can do the basketball. Game one last night in the Stanley Cup. Boy, that was an entertaining hockey game. It Tune really up the Blues, was. that's when yep. I got in there, so I saw the Bruins make the yep. big comeback there. And and it felt even a 2 nothing even before they scored that goal. I, I jumped on right at the beginning of the second period. Felt like they were going to get If you would have watched the first period, it. Trent, you would have said, boy, the, the Blues are taking it to really? the Bruins. Really? Is that how it looked? It really was. Well, look, Boston had been off for, what, 12 days, 11 days? A yeah. ridiculous amount of time since they swept Carolina. Uh, and as we know, the Blues, uh, you know, they were playing, um, they went, what, six, I think, before they dispatched the, the Sharks and uh, didn't have nowhere near the length of the layoff. But uh, entertaining game last night. I said before the series, I thought the Boston was going to win. In fact, I go back a couple of series. I thought whoever came out of Columbus and Boston was yeah. going to win the Stanley Cup, and Boston came out of that series, so we'll see. I know there's a lot, not a lot, there's some Blues fans in the listening audience, I just heard from one via text who's a little disappointed uh, here this morning that his team, the Blues, uh, didn't finish the deal when they were up to zip. Uh, Twins couldn't finish the deal yesterday for the first time in a long time. You know, Josh Hader, watching this guy take the, the mound, when he comes out of the bullpen, Trent, I'm sure there's been, what, a couple of blown saves for him this year, but man, oh man, um, your twins jumped out on the brew crew early. It was four nothing. Buxton just crushed one, and this all happened. Luckily for me, prior to them dropping the puck for game number one, so I was with that game, Brewers and Twins until about the fourth inning, and then you know between periods came back. But when Hater came in, you know if you're if you're a fan of uh, the other team that's that's trailing, you know probably not going to go your way. No, didn't have much confidence, even as good as this Twins team, and offensively certainly they have been. I had no hope. I all right. Well, let's see. Maybe Get him a, tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those where you're hoping for a fluky homer. I mean, that's it. Maybe somebody can turn around on something, and that is your only mm-hmm. hope. Outside of that, you're not getting to that guy. You're not no. hitting a couple to the gap and then clearing. Just it's unlikely that possibility, and that is playoff baseball, right? Mm-hmm. You get to the back end and Hater and the way he's built. Yep. Get a couple of innings. This is still not a Brewers team that you're scared of their rotation. That bullpen. And Jeffress, though, he got a little scared last night yeah. on the comebacker. Yeah. That was hit right back at him. You, you have to That was it. unbelievable. I don't know how he got out of the way. I don't know how that ball did not hit him. Dodgers aside, are the Brewers the best-built team for the playoffs in the National League? I, mean, well, the I want to say are, the Cubs. But you do. You know, I do, but then I watch Lester and Hamels, and Lester goes tonight, and Hamels' last two have not been good. And maybe it's just... I'm not throwing. I'm not burying the Cubs. The Cubs are really good. It'd be yeah. ridiculous to even, you know, imply that in any way. And I'm not. But their pitching worries me, Trent. Mm-hmm. Their pitching worries me a little bit. Hendricks goes tomorrow. He's been fantastic. Lester's last two have been great. Now Hamill's last two haven't been great, good at all. He hasn't got out of the fourth inning, or he's just got through four. Uh, hasn't got to the fifth in his last two. Now, admittedly, watching the uh, the Cubs play yesterday. Um, you know, you're just frustrated by the inconsistency of the umpire, right? I mean, they he did not give Hamill that low ball 
that in uh, you know p- painting corners in the bottom half of the strike zone. Cole Hamels needs that if he's going to succeed. And this ball was, you know, it was touching the square. But it's a ball. Okay, if it's a ball for him, let it be a ball throughout the entire game. And I'm not saying that that's why... Um, uh, who started yesterday? Uh, Cole. Uh, Garrett. Yeah, Garrett uh, Cole. Garrett Cole. Was, he struck out, what, 12, 12 yesterday? Yeah. Just both sides. That's that's all you ask for, right? Mm-hmm. I'm starting to really believe that uh, that in my lifetime we're going to see balls and strikes called by a machine. And you know what? I'm good with it. I'm good with it. I don't know if I want that on the base paths. I don't want uh, you know a manager to go over and start yelling at a laptop. Um, <laughs> but uh, a three-man crew is what you're saying? I don't know. Umpires just, at first, second, and third. And... The ball and strike seems to be the most egregious now. Do you still have to have a home plate umpire in case there's a play at home? Mm, yeah. I guess you do. I don't know, but it's going to happen in my lifetime. There's just too many misses. You cannot watch a game. See, I don't think we're going to get to that level. I I don't believe that we're going to get to a spot where it is Mm robo-umpire behind the plate. Maybe challenge, challenge a strike call. That could be a possibility. We talk about slowing down the game. You get a few of those a game, and, and that could be a problem, but I understand. If it touches the box, it's a strike. But is it? I mean, is every box built the same? We got guys like Aaron Judge at six foot seven, and then you got Jose Altuve at this five foot two. Well, I would hope that it's the same. Yeah, I mean it's it's got to conform. But that to box their... is different. Does the box shrink when the player shrinks? Well, I think would have to. You know what? I was lost last night watching the Twins game because the Twins it, there was a technical error mm-hmm. that prevented. Um, we had no idea how fast the ball was coming in. You know, that ninety-seven mile an hour heater. Well, yep. we didn't have that, and the uh, the K box, the K zone, was not working on the broadcast last night. And it was different not having it. Maybe I'm starting to rely on it too much. I don't know. That very well could be the point. It's, I don't know. Has it taken something away that's, because there's so many times where it hits inside that box. Exposed umpires is what it's done. But it hits inside that box. But you feel, you've watched baseball for a long time. That wasn't a strike. That wasn't a strike. Well, have you seen the 3D? Who who uses that? Is it ESPN Sunday Night Baseball? I think they have the 3D where if it goes through the strike zone, even if it's a little bit, it shows up. Is it yellow? I think it's yellow. Okay. Just, I mean, even if it just ticks the strike zone for a little bit, it's supposed to be. Anyways, um, uh, not, not the reason the Cubs lost yesterday, but boy, oh boy, they got hot in the, uh, on the ninth inning and, um, who didn't want to see Osuna blow a save? I know I did. Um, uh, wasn't the case though, but they, they tried a couple of home runs in the ninth inning, but not enough as they fell behind and couldn't come back with John Lester on the, um, on the bump tonight for the Cubbies, who now lost two straight. Not Uh-oh. not panicking. No, no. But here come the Brewers, Trent. They'll begin yeah. play today, only a half game out. They, uh, This Brewers team kind of pieced it together for a while. They had some injuries, certainly, that were a big part of it. Matt mentioned the bullpen, but overall, Gio Gonzalez, he's part of the rotation yeah. now. He's okay. I, he's okay. He's a fifth starter at best now. Uh, Keiko, does he make sense there? Uh, he's going to be somewhere. And he's going to when, when's away. the draft? When's the next? A week from? No, it's it's next Monday. Next Monday, okay. Ne- next yeah. Monday. So, so we are less than a week mm-hmm. away from you would think the draft, and then. But to your point, the it's not up. like they're going to. You're not going to sign this guy, and he's going to be in your rotation the next day. Right, right. He's going to have to go somewhere. It's after the All Star break, I would think, at absolute best at this point. He's been working out. You know, he's been throwing. He's been doing all of those things. But then, 
You have to face major league batters. You mm-hmm. have to go through minor league system. You have to. It, it's just different throwing on your own, even if you have a great personal trainer and a pitching coach or whatever it is. Being in that camp, being cool, going through that. You know, I, I heard it brought up the other day with Miguel Sano as he hadn't hit a single until I think it was Saturday. He finally got a single. He had five homers, though, and a couple of doubles. Well, this would be like the middle of March for him. Yes. Just because mm-hmm. of where he's in in mm-hmm. his comeback and getting back to it. He, he They're saying the rehab. same about Addison Russell, too. Yes, yeah. Th- this is, these are like early April guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's what you're getting late March, maybe, for a lot of these players. And because of that, you got to put the same thing with both Kimbrell and Keuchel. How good are they? Yeah, I We've seen this before. Those guys that signed really late last year's free agents, the, you know, these guys weren't, I don't think, as talented as Kimbrell and Keuchel, but still good, solid major leaguers, and almost to a T, every single one of them really struggled early on in the season. Mm-hmm. Some of them were disasters because they didn't have that spring training, they didn't have that same routine, and getting back into it, it is a difficult process. Now, we're not talking about you know a month later, these guys starting them before. We're talking about months, multiple months later than you normally are. I don't know how much you could rely on either of those guys. I, uh, I, certainly early. Those guys are going to be... You're excited. Yeah. Whoever signs them, both those teams I, I, I are like going to be Keichel excited. Better, but we'll see. Either way, I, I don't. I think the impact is not going to be nearly as immense as a lot of people believe. Uh, I'm with you. Since we're since we're talking baseball, you know there was a lot of criticism. Let me ask you your your take. Get your take on this. Bill Buckner passes away. Dementia, um, fast moving dementia. What is it? Levi body dementia. I'd never heard of yeah. it until yesterday, so I googled it. Um, and it's apparently it's a very very quick. It's an awful disease. My mother's stricken with it. It's just terrible. I mean, I, 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 I can't even go. I don't even want to go home. I could sit across my mother and she would just stare at me. She had no idea I'm her oldest child. Mm-hmm. And it's just the worst disease. It's, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a way, you know, anyways, um, I'll save that. Um, but ESPN, Twitter went crazy yesterday. Did ESPN, when the news came to Bill, the Bill Buckner, was a terrific hitter, but what? Do you yeah. remember his lifetime batting average? Do you know how many hits he had? When you think about Bill Buckner, what does everyone think of? Every person that knows anything about Bill Buckner, yes, thinks about 1986. You do the Mookie Wilson between the legs. That's and it. ESPN had the audacity in most people's mind, the majority of people's mind, to put that on the crawl. I guess at the bottom. Of when they, when the news broke, cause they had baseball all day yesterday, culminating with uh, the Mets, uh, and the Dodgers. And that's how they, you know, Bill Buckner, 69 years old, lost his life. And I'm, I didn't see it. So I'm just going by kind of what I, you know, regurgitating from Twitter, um, most known for the 1986 guffaw at, at first base, the air at first base with Bill Buckner when the ball got between his legs. But Trent, that's what everybody talks about when he remembers Bill Buckner, whether it's, the right way to remember him because he was a hell of a player. Yes, I mean twenty-two he, years. Twenty-two years, hardly struck out. Struck out his high for a year was thirty-nine strikeouts. Think about that. He played in four different decades: the sixties, seventies, eighties, and nineties. I didn't know that. I knew. I didn't know he played in the sixties. Started in sixty-nine, ended in nineteen ninety. In Kansas City. In, yes, in his the, final is, stop. is where he finished up. But is, is ESPN? Should we? Should they be getting the? I mean, it's easy to criticize ESPN. It's like the yeah, register. Right, yeah. Um, when you're at the front of things, yeah. that's going to happen. I, I had no problem with them doing that, Trent. And you and I, if you feel the same way I do, we yes. are in the minority. That is who he is. Mm-hmm. 
that is what he is known for. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, he can go so many different angles here. And, well, the career is more than just this moment. But these moments are what drives the narrative. This is what drives our memories. If you're a baseball fan and you don't think of Bill Buckner and the first thing that doesn't come to your it, mind. It's everybody. I, I think you're lying. You are I, lying. I think you're lying if you, oh, boy, what a player he was. Mm-hmm. He was a great hitter. I'll tell you the time in 1972 that, da, 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 da. No. The first memory that comes is 1986. Yeah. He shouldn't have been in there. We've nope. heard this story told right. many times before. That's probably true. The, the way his knees were, he mm-hmm. shouldn't have been in the game at that point. But the manager wanted him in there because he was an important part mm-hmm. of that team. He got them over the hump and got them to that spot. But he shouldn't have been play, playing in the end the play that happened. 27-15, that's him in hits. Anybody remember that the first thing comes to your mind? Absolutely not. 289, career batting average? Absolutely not. The, the, the lack of strikeouts seemingly every single year, as good as this guy was in the batter's box, that what you think of? You might think of it that way, but that's your second thought. First thought that pops into your head, Mookie Wilson, the ball getting between his legs. That's... The way it is, sadly. You brought up the numbers. I mean, 714, 755. Those numbers resonate. Mm-hmm. You know how many Barry Bonds ended up with? I don't because it's him. It's 700 right. and... You know what? Let me try and figure this out. Let me try and remember this. Uh, he didn't get 780. He didn't get 7, 760. It's in the 760s. I don't remember. I think it's uh, d- 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 762. There you go. I, I couldn't have come up with that. Couldn't have. But 714, 755, yes. those roll right off. And the reason for that, even though we know those other two numbers incredibly mm-hmm. well, is because of the other pieces of Barry Bonds. Right. When we talk about Barry Bonds the first time, we don't talk about the 30, no. 30 years. We don't talk about Mm-mm. really even the years where he eclipsed 70 home runs. What we talk about is the steroids because that is the moment. That is the memory. That is his And Trent, that is the most recognizable number, record number in all of sports. Yes. The home run number. It was. And it was. Well, we don't remember the guy who has it now for that very reason. I don't know. Anyways, I just thought it was, look, that's how I remember, but a lot of people did not take that uh, well yesterday. Look, we're going to get in in the piece, whenever every story is written about Bill Buckner, you're going to talk about the accolades. Of course you are. But the first thing that comes to your mind. Anyways, um, one more uh, sports uh, passing from over the weekend. And um, just a legend in Bart Starr, who um, yeah. was Trent. I, I, I don't remember Bart Starr well, his career. Okay. I remember the ice bowl. I know that it was him that scored the touchdown. I think he followed Jerry Kramer into the end zone. Mm-hmm. Um, Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. Uh, yeah, recently, but for mm-hmm. whatever reason, you know, he got better as he got older. Um but at least he was alive to see him, you know, to be, to be inducted uh, into Canton. But Bart Starr, there's a lot of Packer fans in the listening audience, and a lot of people, you know, probably your age, that if you were to ask their dads, mm-hmm. you know, who who was your guy growing up, and a lot of people would tell you it's Bart Starr. It's one that I don't have a great memory of. I was going to rely more on you on this one because really the only memories for me are NFL films. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that is it in the half-hour yep. show, and you find out about them. And that's about it. But outside of that, I just didn't... The football was so different. And even watching it growing up in the 80s, you see those own films and it's... Well, how good could this guy really have been? Right. You know, that, that thought it's, it's was impossible. I agree with you. And, and now we're seeing... We're seeing... Yeah, there are people this weekend that said the greatest quarterback that ever lived passed away, Bart Starr, this weekend. You know, you hear the same about Johnny Unitas, right? You watch, you watch Johnny Unitas throw the football and you're thinking... 
This guy get killed in today's <laughs> yes, game. Yes, right. He went, there's no way in the hell he's going to make a roster. The big wind-up to Raymond Berry yes. trotting down the field. But it's unfair to do that because the game is so... You can't compare eras, even recent eras, no. I don't think. I mean, basketball, there's been a lot of conversation about that. This Warriors team against the Bulls teams of the 90s. Right. To, I think, both of us, the 90s don't seem very long ago. No. <laughs> but it's a completely different game. Uh-huh. The physicality that they played in that era is different now. Yeah. You can't have your hands on people. Mm-hmm. The three-point shooting. Now, would these guys adjust? Would Jordan, over a summer, realizing that the game is changing and be out there? He had the the NBA Finals game against Portland where he hit six three-pointers, but where he's out there and all of a sudden he becomes Steph Curry light out there and he's hitting four and a half threes a game? Probably because the game changed and I'm sure he would have evolved with it. But Boy, his image would have been different if that's what yeah, he was known but, for, right? But you stack we up. Wouldn't have the, we wouldn't have the Nike logo. Right. Well, that still, I think, would have been there because that's but what it would have been. Well, I don't know where he would have been making a three-point shot. No, <laughs> because the, the leaping ability early on still wasn't. But I think he would have adapted. He would have changed. Same thing. You talk about the Celtics team. Now, Larry Bird, mm-hmm. a great shooter. Look at statistically the number of threes. You know, three-pointers back in the 80s, it was a couple times a quarter. Oh, look. And, and if you would hit one of those, it would be a dagger. Oh, a guy hit a three-pointer right, right. on us. And it jumped up to a five-point lead. It's like, eh, it's over. Now, you just look at it on the other side and say, down five? Eh, we got two threes coming back the other way. We'll be fine. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, those eras change. And the eras of football, completely different. Bart Starr, great player. Yeah. For his era. In his era. One of the best. That's what he was called over the weekend. You can't compare eras. No. Look, Bill Russell. How, yeah. how tall yeah. was Bill Russell? Six, Six nine. nine. Yeah, and look what he did in in that game. Game was different in the sixties from the seventies. It's just impossible to do. We've got Scott Dockerman coming up. Did you watch the? Uh, did, did it surprise you that the Raptors were able to you know come back in Game Six and win it in Game Six? Yeah, it felt like especially after from the, the first quarter. Yeah, it felt from the get go. Even as Toronto kept cutting into Toronto, it, Toronto kept cutting into it. That yeah, the Bucks will win this and we'll go to a Game Six. Mm-hmm. It just I always had that feeling. And I'm then, with you. Snap of a finger. Mm-hmm. What happened? I don't know. Kawhi got his offense going, and yes. um, man, this is a fun team. They um, are. Yeah, it's a fun, fun team. I'm rooting for them. Up I against really it. Yes. Yeah. You're. You're not. I don't. I mean, this final step. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. I, can they win? I think you need something funky with Durant. You need. Well, I don't know if he's going to come back. Well, first of all, I, I think. You need to take the first two, if you're Toronto, uh-huh. take those first two games and say, and Durant, he's close, all right, he's going to try to make it a go. And then, But how many times have you seen Golden State just win, winning close games? Yes, yes. I, I, think, I think overall that this series comes down to the first two games. Mm-hmm. A split, there's, there's no way Toronto think, can get it done. I think you have to win them both. They I'm have to win both of those games. And then... Oh, they were down. Oh, they were down. Oh, two to Milwaukee, but Milwaukee's a different animal. Right. That was Milwaukee. Right. That was Milwaukee. That that's what the big difference is between it. I, I think it comes down to that. I don't have much of a hope. No, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't have much of a feeling. No, I'm with you. Well, the good news is is that we're going to keep them apart from each other. Them meaning the Stanley Cup final and the NBA final game two of the Cup goes tomorrow, and they will stay off each other for the rest of the. Uh, uh, of their final series. We shall be enthralled by those. I'm into this NBA final. I'm into this NBA playoffs. It's just, it's crazy. You know, how much you can, at least from where I sit. And I think I'm probably speaking mostly for most of Central Iowa sports fans here when I say that we care less about the regular season. 
I mean, there, I think Brent Bloom has it up to 11 NBA, hardcore NBA. Is it more than? It's growing. Is it up to 15 now? It's growing. So there's 15 hardcore, which is probably five more hardcore NBA fans than there is NHL fans, sadly. Um, but once these playoffs roll around, Trent, it is just spectacular. Maybe with the exception of the first round. Yeah. First yeah. round is uh, leaves you wanting it's a dud. more. It's a dud. Right. But after they get to pass that, whew, get tied on. It is spectacular basketball. Scott Dockerman is next. In the 11 o'clock hour, Jerry Crawford's going to reminisce about uh, Nick Nurse and what he meant to the Iowa Energy. Uh, he's their first coach and is as important a piece as anybody. Maybe this franchise doesn't even get here if Nick Nurse doesn't veer off 235 and really start pushing for that. Uh, so we'll talk to Jerry Crawford. He was the primary. He was the face of the ownership group uh, back when the team came together in 2006. And uh, began play in 2007 and hoisted a banner before it was all said and done. Miller and Condon were on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. 1460 KXNO. Des Moines Sports Station, My old headbanging days here, Trent. This one, this butt rock is Scott Dockerman's favorite. He loves his '80s butt rock, and he joins the program. Hello, Scott Dockerman from the Athletic. How are you? How was your weekend? Congratulations! Another one through high school, Doc. Yeah, thanks, man. It's been great. You know, uh, you know, going to be empty nester starting this fall. So uh, excited! It's bittersweet, of course, but happy and. Uh, uh, as always, love the Motley Crew bumper. Can't, uh, can't get enough of it. <laughs> Indeed. Well, a lot, lot of ground to cover with you. I guess, you know, let's save the football. You wrote a really good piece today on the running back, the true freshman Goodson, who's got an opportunity to, uh, you know, for some early playing time potentially. But I want to go back to last week, Doc. Uh, the, the email. Uh, that came out that looks as though was, I mean, I don't know if it was solely behind the, you know, the suspension of Gary Dolphin. Was it you that filed the information, the freedom of information request? Was that you? That put- uh, yeah, it was, uh, there were multiple outlets. Gotcha. So, so I was among the, the outlets that, that filed through the Freedom of Information Act to, you know, get all kinds of, you know, the emails, the, everything that was involved in the, the situation involving, Gary Dolphin, what he said, and uh, and you know the only one that came out be- that went to Iowa that came out before the, uh, the the his suspension was announced was that one email that I put out on Twitter where it was uh, somebody who I think kind of knew Fran had mentioned what uh, you know Gary Dolphin had said, which used the the reference uh, King Kong. So mm-hmm. I think this is uh, you know it, it, I think. As much as I will want to say it launched through Learfield, this appears to be the email right. that kind of started the whole situation. And that's where I wanted to go, Doc, because that's what we were spoon-fed, right? That it was, it came out through Learfield. It was, you know, there was multiple people that had chimed in and, and maybe they were, cause we, we can't get into those emails, but, but I have a hard time considering the history, you know, that it's not the first time they fabricated, uh, things over there. This looks to me like it is solely behind it. And this is one one person. Now, a lot of people backed up that person and, and felt the same way as I've said. You know, I'd have left here at noon, and if I would have said similar, I'd have gone home thinking I had a really good show that day, maybe. 
and then an hour later we're going to got uh, called into the office and uh, um you know called to the carpet um because you know for people Dolph's age, for my age, this was something that we didn't even cross our mind, that this was uh, something you can't say. Maybe it's just the era, uh, the demographic. And we have to be better, and I, and I fully admit that. But it looks as though, Doc, this was solely behind it. So McCaffrey then would have forwarded this, forwarded this email up the chain, correct? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to know where, you know, the, there's no paper trail or email trail after this one, per se. So he very easily could have printed it off. He could have, you know, mar- you know, and then marched over to Barta, who then sent it to, uh, you know, Learfield or or what have you, and uh, or this, you know, he could have called that person and said, "Hey, why don't you go ahead and, and call Learfield about this or mm, something yeah. like that?" But it really all originated with Fran. That's pretty obvious right now, and and so uh, you know, to try to, yeah, Learfield's the one that makes the call. But it's all in conjunction together, and and I mean I didn't write a story off of this, and and there were uh, you know probably 150 type of emails, but you know I mean they all coordinated together their statements. So uh, you know now you know Hawkeye Sports Properties is officially Learfield, but they you know they're they more or less work for Iowa. So this is all under one roof, and and so I think you know Fran McCaffrey played a major role. In what happened there with uh, with Gary Dolphin, no matter what anybody says. So where's that relationship? We saw the press conference uh, going back now a few months and afterwards when the suspension was announced. They're out and about from time to time on the iClub circuit and things like that. That relationship, it appeared to be put back together. Fran said all the right things. Do you believe that? Do you believe that everything is all systems go? Everything's okay with Fran and Dolph going forward? Uh, I think professionally they are. I, I don't know how much love there is for one another. Uh, you know, I think I, I would have a hard time if I was Gary Dolphin trusting Fran McCaffrey with anything again, uh, considering what, you know, has been done. And, and it's obvious to me that, that Fran does not like Gary Dolphin. I mean, that, that's kind of been shown through it, you know, and, and even, you know, in some of the, the discussions of ongoing tensions and, and what have you, uh, you know, it, you just don't erase that overnight. Now, you know they can go out and say the right things and and pretend that everything's honky dory, but I just don't think that it's. Uh, you know, I, I think there. You know, there's certainly an underlying current that I don't know that I'll ever get fixed, and I don't know that it matters. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes you just don't like people who you work with, and I think as long as they can be professional, I think it's. Uh, you know, everybody will will be okay. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic is our guest. Doc, the uh, news came out. It was it certainly wasn't unexpected. Uh, Tyler Cook is going to remain in the NBA draft and forego his senior season. He leaves Iowa averaging just over 14, I believe, is, uh, is that number. How will you remember uh, the Tyler Cook era uh, at the University of Iowa, Doc? You know, I, I think I look at him and I think, you know, he's been a – uh, you know, certainly athletically, I think he's one of the best that, that Iowa's had at that position. I mean, you can't re- replicate the explosiveness and the power that he presents in the post. Um, but I would, I would say that, you know, did you did you feel like he reached his maximum at Iowa the way, say, an Aaron White did? And I don't feel that way. I, I think, you know, it, it, last year they had a really nice season. They just about got to the Sweet 16 and almost had an epic upset, but. They, you know, they never really, I think, achieved what they needed to achieve with him to to put him in a, that kind of category. And and uh, so, you know, 
there, there's a lot of good things that, that Tyler Cook did. I think he did, wasn't appreciated enough. But that said, I don't know that you look at him and you go, wow, Iowa got the maximum out of Tyler Cook during his duration with the Hawkeyes. I, I do wonder this year, and so many people over the last really two seasons for Tyler Cook concentrated so much on what he can't do as opposed to the things that he was good at. Much like Adam Woodbury and the same thing happened during his career at Iowa and then he went away and said, oh, he was really a good defender. They really miss him. I have a feeling we're going to hear Hawkeye fans saying the same thing about Tyler Cook. Yeah, he didn't have a jump shot, but boy, you miss that athleticism and a guy that can actually break somebody down off the dribble and get to the rim. Yeah, you're going to hear that. You're going to hear about Jordan Bohannon the same way. Yep, uh, yep. Iowa fans tend to do this, especially in basketball, where you know they really climb on top of a lot of players, and then when they're gone, they realize what they had. I mean, yeah, as you mentioned, basketball-wise, uh, you know, on-ball defender like Mike Gazelle, Iowa hasn't had one since. Uh, you know, Adam Woodbury was the linchpin to that entire defense, which was really good. Yep. Even the statistics spared out, and he was underappreciated the entire time he was here because everybody wants him to be something that they're not quite. They don't appreciate what they can do, and I think you'll see that with Tyler White. You'll see that with Jordan Bohannon this year, and uh, I just I don't know that this is going to be a very successful season based on their losses right now. Uh, Scott uh, Dockman from The Athletic is our guest. Doc, one more in basketball. We'll switch to football, and it came up in your mailbag pursuant to a question you were asked about, you know, changes uh, now that uh, I think the question I'm paraphrasing, now that the renovations or Kinnick is almost done, what's next uh, on the list of things that uh, uh, the university would like to, you know, update, upgrade uh, as far as athletic facilities. And Carver Hawkeye has to absolutely be on the top of that list. And as you pointed out, Doc, in your answer, at one time it was considered, you know, to be one of the better buildings in college basketball. But man, you look around that place now, the distance behind the basket to the fans, there's just, it's, it's lacking in so many areas, isn't it? It is, and then you know I know they're they're putting together a little bit of low seating at the top, but you know that's a band aid approach. There's really, uh, you know, it was built literally inside a crater, and it and it kind of has become a crater. It's just there's nothing for the fan amenity in that place that that makes it appealing. I mean, you know, it, actually you're penalized the closer you sit to the court because then you got to turn around and go, you know what, to use the restroom or or to buy a concession stand item. I've got to walk all the way to the top of the steps. You know, there's really no, there's no uh, you know, the concourse to speak of. You're far from the court anyway. Uh, it's just, I, I think that there needs to be just some, really some creativity as to whether or not you renovate it or decide to just rebuild another arena. Now, that would cost, you know, I mean, you're talking about probably nine figures uh, for a new arena, but. Uh, you know, to, to completely renovate the inside, I, I think they've, you know, we've seen that they've struggled with um, with attendance over the years for mm-hmm. Iowa standards attendance, and uh, you know, so it wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed. I don't think anybody should be opposed to say trimming it down to like twelve thousand seats and making them all good. You know, putting them all close to the court, maybe behind one of the baskets, have like a club seating area. Uh, you know, where it's like glassed in, and then that's. You know, people can buy drinks or whatever and, you know, make it underneath the basket. And then above it, have like a hawk's beak where people can sit because I hear it all the time from fans, you know, some of which want to stand and cheer the game. And the other group of fans want to say, hey, sit down. I'm trying to watch the game. Right. And that just doesn't mix very well. And it leads to a bad atmosphere. And, 
and frankly, in the end, you know, bad feelings for the uh, for the fans. So, if you uh, waved a magic wand and you had the hundred million dollars laying around, and you could put that arena anywhere in Iowa City, where would you put it? Where's the best possible spot for the new Iowa basketball arena? You know, I think I'd probably put it out in the western side of campus by the Hall of Fame, kind of by the, where the, the field hockey area is, because it's, it's, it's closer to the interstate, you know, at 380 and 80, and it would have a, uh, you know, I think it, you could really do something unique and special there. It's also still not very far from the Coralville Strip, so I think you've got a chance to, to do something, you know, outside the area so it's not so congested, but... Um, you know, with all those offices they built there 10 years ago in the practice facility, I'm not so sure that they would be willing to forego all of that uh, and build a brand-new arena, you know, west of town. A couple on football, with Doc, before we let you go. Your piece today at The Athletic, uh, Tyler Goodson, a, uh incoming freshman. Look, when we talk about this, um, you know, the, this coming year of Hawkeye football and some of the strengths and some of the concerns, and clearly the running back is in that concern category. There was, uh, it, was a, it was an off year last year for, at, at the running back position. So what is this kid? What, what kind of chances he got? I know there were some, certainly some impressive schools uh, that were after him to come uh, you know, go to school there and to play football uh, at those uh, institutions. Iowa's got him. He remained strong to Iowa throughout the process when maybe some bigger schools came a-calling. Goodson, how big of a, an impact could he have on this upcoming season? I think he is maybe the one freshman that could have the biggest impact on the team. Uh, you know, he comes to campus in a couple of weeks, so he'll be there through the summer. He's got to learn all the, the intricacies, of course. But, you know, what I look at him and I see is, for number one, great feet. I mean, he is explosive and, and has great burst in the hole. And he always gets vertical. He doesn't mess around and run to the edge and then try to weave his way around. You know, he's got, you know, he's, he's plays a lot like Akram Wadley with his feet, and except he's a little bit bigger. You know, he's already past 190 pounds, so there's a chance he could get to 200. You know, probably, I don't want to go too far or hyperbolic here, but, you know, similar to Atavian Banks is probably my best, uh, you know, doppelganger for him on the field. So uh, I think a player like that, it really could be a difference maker. You're talking about a team that was 94th in yards per carry, 95th in, in yards per game. Uh, you know, only had 19 rushing touchdowns. It, it was the element of Iowa's offense that kept it from, uh, you know, going to Indianapolis, maybe playing in a, you know, in a major bowl game. So I think he's the type of player that can walk in. Iowa's played 11 true freshmen since 2008 at running back. So they, they don't have a fear of playing true freshmen. So I think he's got a chance to, to make an impact right away. Speaking of that running back position, Goodson, Probably got a lot more headlines and because of the early commitment than the other running back coming in in Shadrick Bird. I've heard some good things about Bird. What do you know about the youngster from Alabama and Goodson, maybe the home run hitter? Can Bird also find a role in this squad? Yeah, he can. You know, he's a little bit bigger, uh, more physical. He played at the, you know, in Alabaster, Alabama, along with uh, uh, Tua's uh, younger brother who's going to, who is going to Alabama just like Tua. So, uh, you know, he's got a, a, that pedigree. He enrolled at semester. He looked good in the spring. He's a little bit behind the other three. But, you know, a lot of that's just really understanding the offense more than it is physical ability. So, you know, both of them will have that opportunity once you get into fall camp to, to play right away. Now, uh, you know, maybe it behooves Iowa to 
hold one back. You know, you can play up to four games and not, you know, exercise your, you know, lose your redshirt season. And when you have, you know, three running backs who are all juniors, maybe you might want to do that. But I think one of them is going to get kind of jumped into the varsity. And, and I, I think based on what I've seen, you know, Tyler Goodson, it needs to be that guy. Um, you know, if Shad Bird is comparable in some ways to Torrin Young, maybe with a higher upside, you, you just see and wait to, to see what he can do before you jump him over uh, Torrin Young. But I think he's, I think both are, are probably talent-wise and trajectory-wise probably on a higher plane than the other three. Yeah, great stuff as always, Doc. Thank you for what you do for us. You can read them at The Athletic. The Athletic for Scott Dockerman. Uh, two thumbs up from Trent and I regarding that uh, outstanding site. If you're a sports fan, it is a must-have. And they've always got promotion. Just uh, came off a really good one, Memorial Day weekend one for 250 or thereabouts a month. And I'm sure there'll be another one coming up. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Doc, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you. Scott Dockerman chiming in here on the Hawks. What do you want to do with Carver Hawkeye Arena Trent Condon? Tear down? Yes. That'd be just... And I don't like Doc's idea of building a west. Build it downtown. Build it Whoa. right there. Right on campus. I, I know Is there's there no, room? No. <laughs> you find room, though. You're not making any more land trends. No, no, you find room. You buy some old buildings. Bob, put it downtown. Just that off of the Ped Mall. Spectacular. Parking structure underneath, the arena on top of it. It's going to take a lot of room to build something like that. But that's the place. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times throughout the years have we heard difficult to get to for students yeah, getting over there? There's nothing else over there. There's no restaurants. I mean, you can go to the Wig and Pen. That's a 20-minute walk. You want to do that in January? Mm, go no. up the hill? No, I like the one in Ankeny. Right, right. It, it, it just, it, boom, right there. That's the way to do it downtown. Is the cash windfall that the, the Big Ten and their schools right now are able to share in, is that going to be there in two, five, ten years I mean, will that 50-plus million they're up to, they're making more money than other, any other conference in college athletics right now? Is that right. always going to be the case? You wouldn't think so. I mean, it, it has to end at some point. Mm-hmm. Next big radio rights, uh, TV rights are, what, 2025? 20, 25, yep. Something like that. Yeah, you would have to assume Big Ten that. Network, are they going to continue to be able to you know, pillage all the people that have to pay for it that couldn't care less, really don't even know that it's part of their television package? Well, and it's not even really. I mean, Big Ten is a part of it, the BTN, but it's what they get from ESPN and ABC mm-hmm. and, and those right deals that take it otherworldly. Is that going to be around, or is it going to be hey, well, Netflix know, or Hulu or whatever it yeah. is? I mean, I don't know how many, how much longer ESPN can continue to just snap up everything. I mean, they want everything. Every sport, that's what they want. I get it, but with all the cord cutting that we read about seemingly on a uh, on a weekly basis... Is that money going to be there? We'll come back. We'll finish up the hour in the 11 o'clock hour. Looking forward to this. Nick Nurse, he's a fascinating story. And his uh, Des Moines story, if you will, with the Iowa Energy, how this all came to be. We've got Jerry Crawford, uh, who, along with Nick Nurse and Chris Macris and a couple of others, certainly the ownership group that Jerry uh, put together. Um, it's a great story. Nick Nurse, before he became, well, NBA coach Nick Nurse. Uh, looking forward to that. And then uh, Dylan Montz on Iowa State. We talked to Hawks with Doc. We'll do the same with Dylan Montz from the Ames Tribune at about 11.35. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Your podcasts. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.
Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Tomorrow, David Kaplan will be a part of the program. Likewise, Zubin Mahente, who moved off his normal spot today. Get him tomorrow. Look forward to catching up with Zubin, picking his brain on the upcoming NBA championship season, or championship, that will begin on Thursday night. ABC has the coverage. Will you miss the TBS guys? I will. Nope. I am good. I like Mike Breen. Mm-hmm. Probably better than Marv at this point. Yeah, you know, they're phasing Marv out. Did you hear this, by the way? I'm glad you brought that up. I meant to bring this up last week. You know who the potential replacement for Marv Albert is? And he's about to be in your update here at the top of the hour. Just to let you know. Brian Anderson, I assume, is uh-huh. where you're going. He is the... You know, I like B.A. a lot. Uh-huh. I don't see him as the eight guy for TNT. Well, he's he's on a fast track with their college basketball with the yeah, tournament. Yep. Uh, I will miss it. Look, he's not long. I don't think for Brewers telecasts. Right. Yes, he has outgrown that. He's terrific at what he does. Didn't he do? And maybe TBS still has this, and I don't realize it. Don't do they have a Sunday day game? I don't believe so anymore. They, they did for a while, for a yes. couple of years, yep. right? Yep. And that was him. It was him, yes. yes. And then he would transition into the whatever their round, I think they have a wild card. Yep, yep. Uh, and he would do that for them. He's a terrific announcer. Yeah, that's yes. a, that's the that's the re- rumored replacement for Marv Albert, who we may have heard the last of, by the way. This this might have been it. That might have been it. And Weber. You're a Weber fan, I'm not. Yeah, I'm a Weber fan. I Reggie Miller. I like Reggie Miller, too. I'm going to miss those guys. Is awful in my mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is not my cup of tea, so Weber's fine. The pre and post and halftime, does that not... See, and I just don't watch much of it. So, don't you? No, no. Pre, none. Half, no, I don't watch none. much pre. Half, some, just because the Barkley factor. And, yeah, and post game, more than any, is that. And it's 10, 15 minutes at most. Well, and now I find myself, now that the Raptors are in it, going over to the NBA TV so I can watch the press conferences. Well, and now you'll be able to do that with Zubin Mahente hosting ESPN's That's coverage. That's a good point. And be able to hear from Nick Nurse and Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr, uh, he coached here, right, in that preseason game? With he Harrison was Barnes. here. Yes, yeah, he yeah. was. Steve Kerr was here. I remember, in fact, I think we had him. I think Crawford arranged for He did. Oh, yeah. We had him on our afternoon show when he was in town that uh, one. Do you know how much money Nick Nurse got for that week that he coached Iowa State? Oh, it was like hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, 175, right? 175, I want yeah. to say. Greg McDermott hires him uh-huh. as an assistant uh, in the middle of April. Mm-hmm. Two weeks later, McDermott runs off to Creighton. Hoiberg comes in, doesn't retain Nick Nurse. I don't even think, I'm not even sure he set foot names. But got 175000 came back to the energy, and the rest is history. And Jerry Crawford will fill in some of those uh, those areas that we're not certain of. He had a pretty good lawyer, though, I'm sure, helping him out with that contract. We're going to talk to him at 11.15. <laughs> it's Miller.